Hello, and welcome to Real Indigenous, where we look at everything on our screens and everything in between. Madhuwika and Sunrise Tipikani. And tonight, and my colleagues, we are going to be discussing in Studi Hall. We'll talk a little bit about our favorite Studi performances, our least favorite performances, and uh, probably talk about things that we didn't get to when we talked to Wes. Right, So we talked to Wes a little bit about the Billy Bean series that he wrote, uh, some of the highlight of his performances like Ronnie Potine, Dome of Heaven, Mystery Men. So we'll see if some of those pop up this evening. Um, so yeah, it's just a chance to kind of catch up with some of the highlights and maybe the uh, the other areas of uh, our own uh, relationship with West Studio on screen. So without further ado, my co-hosts can introduce themselves. Hello, Uvanga Angela Starts. Osio and Hawaii. Candice Bird Boney. His Jay, this is Noetta Harjo. Great. Well, let's get into it. Does anybody feel like they've got a West Studio performance that really sticks out and you've got to talk about? A favorite? Something that's a highlight? Well, first of all, I would just like to say I was so excited to talk to him. It was like so cool. When he, when I first got in contact with him and he said, yes, I totally freaked out. <laughs> and it's just because he is such a role model for native performers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he started in theater like so many of us do and now has just become this cultural icon. And and as he said in the interview, a type. He's he's now a type. So it's it's just amazing to me. And I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, my favorite recent performance of his is as the sun in Spirit Rangers. I don't know if you guys have gotten to see it yet, but he is the reason the condor's feathers are black. And it's just the cutest story. And he's so funny in it because he snores the whole time. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of speaking of that, a performance that d- I did not get to bring up to him, something that completely just went was um, his voiceover role in Soul. Oh, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's one of the heads. He's one of the head souls in that Soul world. And really? it was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, that Pixar movie. <coughs> yeah, they had a very diverse cast, uh, and um, I wanted, I didn't, I didn't bring that up because, of course, I didn't, I didn't think about it in that time. But how great he is with his voiceover work as well, and um, I actually, it took me a minute to recognize him because my husband, my now husband, like recognized him first, and he just said, "That sounds like Wes Studi," and of course, the souls in that spirit world, you know, they they're kind of blob they're kind of blobby forms <laughs> Roy, Roy was just like that sounds like West Duty and I was like it does doesn't it and so we waited for the credits you know and sure enough there it was and it was just fun to uh, uh, I can just imagine like some of the freedom you have sometimes but to go into uh, a voiceover thing you don't really have to worry about how you present or what you look like you know you can just focus on the text you know and so or you know, in a in a role like that, where uh, they've taken away uh, a lot of things that would distinguish, uh, you know, things that things that people focus on, you know, as far as like human differences. And here we're just in the soul spirit world, and <laughs> I had completely forgotten um, to bring that up because I would have loved to have asked him about that experience. I mean, so distinctive. It makes sense that he's present, and it, they're so many voices in that film especially like the moment like the the character gets to this place and being introduced to all these souls they go by so quickly it makes sense that maybe angela didn't notice and then we're also so focused on the animation Mm -hmm. yeah but uh he's the same way for me in avatar like his presence is like really resonates beyond that character you know i'm not sure i like the film so much but the the fact that he was present and like just the the nature and the quality of his presence 
really comforting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that he's going in more into voice work, whether it's like reading text or in animation. I have to say that my favorite um, performance of his was Ronnie Bodine, just because <laughs> after seeing him for so long as, you know, the stereotypical Western, uh, what do you call it, leather and feather character you know it was it was great to see him in a more modern role a, a, a comedic role where you know uh he was his his playing opposite of, of children you know he, he for the you know the whole time that i've been seeing him I, because you know when you grow up indian and poor you don't always get to get the cable tv when everybody else does so there was a lot of stuff that i of his that i hadn't seen growing up uh, so, but, you know, of course, you know, Dances with Wolves was a staple in our house <laughs> and I'd seen him in The Last Mohican. So, you know, he was very stoic, very uh, aggressive uh, character. And so to see him in a different light, like Ronnie Bodine was just for me was like, oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. I just absolutely loved it. It's almost like seeing your dad act silly for the first time, you know. <laughs> so that that was probably one of the first ones that I think that I really as soon as I saw it, I was like, I need to find, I need to find this on video. I need to get this and have it like keep a copy and show it to, you know, my nieces and nephews. Cause I think they, I think everybody would really enjoy it if we could find it. <laughs> I don't even know if it's available anywhere, but. Um, I think we know somebody who would have a copy. Yeah, I think we do too. <laughs> totally. If you're listening, I need a copy of that short film, please. <laughs> But um, I, I did a whole article. He was the first, like, real article that I wrote in my uh, column for Geek Girl. And the title of it is uh, West Duty is More Than a Tolkien Indian. And I was talking more about how how many roles he did do that weren't, that didn't fit the leather and feather um, uh, persona that he had been pinned into, you know. Um, one of some of my other favorites, of course, I watched Mystery Men the other day. <laughs> I hadn't seen that in a long time, and it was hilarious. And then he also played uh, Saget in um, the video game movie. What was it called? Um, it was like Mortal Kombat, but it wasn't Mortal Kombat. What was it? Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Yeah. So, you oh. know. Yeah, he was in that, too. And, and he was a bad guy. He had a patch on his eye. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I just think I really like the roles where he steps out of you know, your your stereotypical Indian characters. So, um, of course, you know, those are the ones that made him, that put him on the map, and people are always looking for him to play those parts. So you kind of have to be, give some sort of respect to that, that persona, because that is what made him who he is today. Uh, but no, I, I really like the ones where he steps out of that box. You know, I think they're, I mean, they're a double-edged sword because they're necessary, I guess, for like, you know, Hollywood to make a movie about us for a certain period of time. But he's so prominent. I feel like people really start to recognize him regardless of what the role is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wouldn't be in those films like Street Fighter if, he, if people weren't taking advantage and really noticing his strengths. And he wouldn't have gotten there without these roles like Magua or mm -hmm. Geronimo. Yeah, I, I agree about those like modern day roles. It's like so amazing to see him in Heat. Deep Rising was something that was really important for me to see. And then when he was like Leap Horn, it was really like so amazing to see somebody like contemporary, somebody who's struggling with his identity and in a buddy uh, role. Like that there was another character, Adam Beach. Mm -hmm. um, that was amazing just to get to the point where we had these two contemporary roles that seemed like it took too long to get there. I think that was like 2002 when the first um, Leaphorn film came out. And it's interesting that you also mentioned that he's sort of like a father figure. I feel like that is definitely something that I see that he sort of like gets typecast a little bit like that as like a father of somebody. But he does feel like a father figure. And now he definitely feels like, you know, like this elder of just like everybody almost like, that's really amazing yeah especially in reservation dogs with his his role as bucky you know he's a mm -hmm. little eccentric but he's also got some wisdom to pass along to to the young warriors of reservation dogs so uh, there's i can see how that elder role mm -hmm. it's almost like it's almost like he's he's passing down the torch 
to these kids, you know, the, the, the actor's torch to carry on, you know, what he's what he's basically um, cleared the path for for them to to keep going and, and to pass mm-hmm. that on to future actors, too. So um, hopefully he'll be on Reservation Dogs for a long time. Well, I really liked what he said about having being around all of the young actors with their energy and feeding off that. Because, I, you know, after a career that's spanned so many decades and being typecast in the leather and feather so often, I, I would think that it'd be nice to, you know, work with young people who are getting this big break in this groundbreaking series. And, you know, it just... It, brings a whole new level in, of enthusiasm, I think, to the whole craft. Yeah, that must be really energizing. And there's like some themes that seem to be happening across these, like Ronnie Bodine and The Soul. These all about like guiding other people, reservation dogs. Mm-hmm. He's definitely like this guiding force right now for the young. But then the other, yeah, the other side is what he's able to glean from us it's sort of like this energy and rejuvenation i think that's important for a sense of survival that we're like developing and growing and he senses it from us mm-hmm. like the younger people or like even younger than us <laughs> <laughs> all the candaces out in the world the <laughs> uh, i don't know i'm going gray on you guys <laughs> Life. well it's funny because i think noetta and i both went and watched that episode of the flash that he was in from I watched it too. 1990 oh did you watch it too yeah sure did the roller <laughs> Oh, I was, we were, Roy and I were laughing so hard. I'm sorry. We were laughing so hard at this, this, oh, this episode. If you love, if you love campy, if you love cheesy, go and watch Flash. It's for free on 2B. <laughs> oh, it's, it was perfect. I mean, it's just so cartoon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was telling him, this feels a lot like, so far, my favorite version of Batman, which was the one from 89, you know, Tim Burton's Batman, like that. Those, I grew up with those. So those, those are my peeps. Yeah. Like Roy was saying like, yeah, this, there were, DC was having its Marvel day during this time. There was an explosion of all these DC properties and um, Flash was one of those. And I thought, yeah, the music sounds like a ripoff of Danny Elfman's stuff, you know, like <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so it's funny to hear this like, but it's, it's fun, you know, it's fun and the, the effects are cheesy and the dialogue is goofy and... Um, and we loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, and poor Wes, like, I, I was like, oh, don't even, don't, don't manhandle that. Don't manhandle that. <laughs> <laughs> Flash, don't manhandle him. He was so scared. <laughs> he was, he was scared. Put him down. <laughs> that was actually, he did a really good job being, you know, a scared... Uh, thug, I guess, is what he yeah, was. Yeah, thug, thug, thug life. Playing dice in the alley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I watched a few minutes of The Trial of Standing Bear, but then I ran out of time. But it was it was kind of along the same lines. Fresh-faced actor. We're not going to do that, you know. <laughs> I am a man. <laughs> Can you... Can somebody describe a little bit about like the scene and what's happening? Uh, I didn't watch it. I didn't get oh. a chance to watch it. So, so um, I know there's other people. The Flash. Okay, just I only watched up to his part, so I don't know what happens. But <laughs> the Flash is looking for an escaped convict who is out to kill his dad, and he goes to. It's like he went to the first group of people in a dark alleyway that he saw, picked up <laughs> West Studi's character, threw him against the wall, said, "Where is this guy?" <laughs> he's like, you tell me where he is right now. And, and then Westy's like, I don't know. I don't know. If he was, he was here, like, yeah, I'd be running. time with them 10 years ago. Yeah. And he was like, if he was here, I'd be running away too. <laughs> and Flash is like, if you hear anything, you better tell me. You know, it's pretty funny. It's so cheesy. It's pretty funny. He's like, it's kind tragic. The end of it is kind of tragic. His, uh, dad's best friend gets killed and his dad feels guilty about it because i did finish watching it and it was called sins of the father Mm -hmm. and it talks about how they kind of bungled the whole original arrest and so his dad's partner kind of paid the price and there's all this conflict between the flash and his dad because his dad's an old school cop that beats everybody up and the flash uses science nobody believes that science crap 
you know. <laughs> Even though the Flash definitely manhandled people, <laughs> he definitely rubbed. And the special effects yeah. were amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Listen for the day, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But you'd have to remember, I'm I'm used to today's Flash series, where it's, it's just a lightning bolt going across the screen there. <laughs> I highly recommend watching it. Yeah, but disclaimer, like, if you are watching it for West Duty, he's in there for maybe like a minute 10. And this is a 45-minute show. Just just disclaimer, everyone. Yeah, if you're right. interested in watching Wait, it was about 20 minutes in? Because I was really, because they implied that he might see him again. And so I was really waiting for him to come back. Spoiler alert, he did not. He did come back. I didn't think he would. I didn't think he would because he wasn't in the special guest appearances list. But I had, I had hope. I think he mentioned in an interview that that was like one of his first Hollywood film, Hollywood roles. And I do find it remarkable, like, I can't tell you the name of the guy who played the Flash from that series, you know, but he's obviously the lead. You know, he's, looks like a male, you know, male lead and all that. And I couldn't tell you his name. I don't know if he's famous or if he did anything beyond the Flash, but Wes Studi is the household in in our household anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's quite remarkable that he can go from just, I don't know, a minute 10 of, being frightened and not looking a flash in the eye and rolling dice. And now he's, you know, just killing it, killing it on reservation dogs, killing it in all his, killing it in all his work. Yeah. This other guy, I guess the lead was John Wesley ship from that, from that flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually don't know very many other, roles that he's played or these, some of these other series seems like he comes back as the flash a couple times mm-hmm. in these other he, do, he shows up in the new one that yeah what yeah. writes he's like from the a different one. universe yeah and i guess he's he's also an arrow and supergirl mm-hmm. yeah yeah occasionally the same character as yeah as the same character yeah. yeah they do a lot of crossovers or they did cool. <laughs> they used to yeah, yeah. what about yours angela i mean you talked about some things that you saw but what's What's your highlight? I mean, I was trying to think of, of any one thing, and I, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, Mystery Men, I absolutely love just because it's so silly. And in this interview that I watched of his, he said that he, he just used phrases from the Chinese fortune cookie script <laughs> that he was handed, and that's where they came up with all of those sayings <laughs> yeah they were pretty that, uh pretty on point yeah they're pretty cheesy yeah. I mean, and that he really approached it as a serious you know you know he talked mm-hmm. in his in the in our interview about believing everything he says yeah and so the you know to for him to be able to believe what he's saying when he's saying wait well, you have to run with the wolf pack not with the six pack and be dead serious about it. I mean, that you know, that's really remarkable <laughs> to me. Yeah, and I, I believe it. Seriously, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I believe that character believes in what he's saying, despite the fact that like Ben Stiller's character doesn't believe him at all. Yeah, and screams at him. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's convincing despite the silliness of it. And, and I mean, it, that's also important for the other characters. Yeah, right. Like for William H Macy, like really believe in him. He really does have an interesting role in that, that dynamic of that group. And that, you know, way before the Marvel Cinematic Universe or anything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it mm-hmm. really, I always like movies where, you you know, you have to get the band together. Those mm-hmm. are my type of movies that I like. So just seeing how they build this group and how they make it cohesive through his teachings, I think is really fun. Even though he doesn't really seem to have a superpower. It's None wisdom. of them really do, though. <laughs> That's what makes them great is they don't even really have a superpower, but they believe in themselves enough to to act like they do, you know. And yeah, that that's kind of why I like that film too. So, <laughs> but I do have an aside. I was reading through his biography, and he, you know, he was part of the American Indian movement. It, there was a certain thing that happened in Washington D.C. that he may or may not have been a part of. Oh, really? But my aunt 
was working at the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Washington, D.C., when they were overrun by a certain group of people. And one day she told me the story about that. And so it's interesting to know both sides of the story. And I wish we I wish I had brought it up with him, but he we were way more interested in his cinematic journey. But I just remember Aunt Wanda talking about how they were coming in the front door and her supervisor was yelling at everybody to to throw files into garbage bins and throw them out the back. So as the as the members were running in the front door, all of the people that worked for them, who were also native for the most part, mm-hmm. were picking up files and running out the back so that they didn't get trapped in there. It was just real an interesting time in history because a lot of my relatives worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs at the time, and mm-hmm. they're all Delaware and Choctaw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really felt that need to make changes from within, whereas this other faction really wanted to make changes from without. So I wish that we had had more time to discuss that with him, just knowing that little bit of history and tying it in with my family members, Mm. if he were even there. If he were, yeah, allegedly there. Mm, That's very interesting. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about all of that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they described about reading, you know, texts like Vine Deloria to try and find like quotes. Right. And then he found like more meaning since then. Uh, and that implied that he was out being active and he was like, you know, mm-hmm. trying to really engage with uh, uh, like the politics of that time. Yeah, it yeah. would be nice to hear more about that. On his website, he talks about how that time in his life was a way to channel the the effects of the Vietnam War mm. since he had served over there. So I don't know how much he talks about it, but it would be definitely worth a sit down. I mean, you know, a lot of veterans don't like to talk about that. That is that is an important period. And like what you're talking about is also something that we, I feel like I haven't heard about that in a long time. I feel like I, I remember seeing it in like documentaries, you know, maybe We Shall Remain is kind of like a period where I remember it ending on, on that, it was hinted at, uh, but Alcatraz is always sort of like the highlight, you know, around right. me. But that feels like it's also something that, I, you know, I could see him playing somebody in a movie about that. Like, I would love to see, you know. Oh, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. If somebody actually a... did a Wounded Knee 71 mm-hmm. or whatever year it was. Mm-hmm. That'd be really amazing. Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah. just like, you know, like the BIA. be interesting to see, you know, both sides, actually. Actually, yeah, that would be really good. You know, I could see a nice thriller, you know, like almost in the vein of like the inside man or something, where we kind of see Ooh. what's happening on the inside, what's happening on the outside. And, you know, I could see him as being, you know, in the leadership role of either side. I mean, he's played both... Right. Like both groups, you know, people alluding to government and the people working for the government. That'd be really Yeah, that is something we haven't seen anything of. No, we haven't. Definitely not like fiction. And when it's hinted at in documentaries, it's like a fleeting momentary statement from like maybe one or two persons and like one image. Yeah. Yeah, now that we're losing so many of them, it might be safe to talk about. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, Cultural preservation seems like we are always embracive of things that are so far in the past, which we should be, but it seems like neglecting the things that are a little bit more contemporary. What is this, what are the things that are happening in the 20th century that we should be retaining, documenting, recording? But that makes sense. I mean, you know, the, the, your inspirations are more about him rather than his performances. I mean, Mystery Man yeah. is something you to admire, but like and that, that uh, his own personal politics is important. I'm sure and it's his like journey, his you know, his journey. having started my journey 20 years ago and just, you know, being put in those roles that are very stereotypical or being cast as Hispanic, you know. Mm-hmm. And just seeing all of these people that have labored 
in these pigeonholes, being able to break free and really spread their wings and enjoy being themselves in a contemporary setting is really, it's just really nice. Do you see anything, you know, as an actor that he's doing that you can say is helpful in making those? I think he's really caught on to it with with con- with his confidence you know he's saying he said as he's getting older he just is kind of like here i am take it take it or leave it it's me this is my performance this is what you get and i think that that's a really important tool for an actor to be walk in the room and be confident this is what you get me and it's hard. It's hard for actors because, yeah, like he also said, you want to win people's approval and get their interest. So at the same time, you're balancing that need for recognition with the, well, here I am. Take me as I am. So it's kind of nice to know <laughs> that we all have the same struggles with performing. <laughs> Candace, do you have any responses? Because you yeah, are interested a, in acting. Right? As an acting student, something that I... Uh, key into is of course how he discussed his his method which is you know believing believing and getting into that the carrot that minds the character and uh you know I started out most actors start out actually in that school of thought and as I continued my journey I personally found that that was not the way that worked for me for me how I approach text and how I approach character development is, of course, you got to read your script. You got to read it multiple times. Uh, I The way I find my character now is from what's called the outside going in. I find mine in rhythm, text. What's what's the rhythm of this character? What are they saying? I, I I try to live within the world of that text. And Wes is, I think, his method is it's the same. Is is, but he just he's approaching it differently, and that he's internalizing that text. But for some reason, I just found that that just didn't that that doesn't that doesn't work for me, because no matter how hard I try to convince myself that I am the character, there's that back of mind that tells me, no, you're not, <laughs> no, you're not. But what outside? From the outside in, one of those techniques taught me was that actually what I believe doesn't matter. All that matters is I make you believe. So if I can have you believe, then that's truly what matters and what, what I feel actually does. So that's one of my access points is through breath, through voice, through rhythm and um, cadences of characters. And as an acting student and watching watching Wes, he's got a very distinctive voice, very distinctive, very resonant, and it's very um, it's very noticeable. Like uh, <laughs> there's a, a a scene, and it's and I like to talk about this scene with other Cherokee speakers. I'm not a I'm not a Cherokee speaker, but I like to speak about this um, this scene with Cherokee speakers. There's a scene in. Um, and last of the Mohicans, Ramagua, you know, it's the scene in the waterfall, you know, I will find you. And um, Magua goes over to uh, the women and uh, he calls them Anigisa. And uh, he's calling them bitches. You know, that's a, that's a derogatory word in Cherokee for women. And I'm, I'm surprised that word exists because Cherokees were known for being pretty matrilineal, matriarchal, you know, we, we hold women in a high regard. So it's not a direct English translation of, of that word bitch, but that is a very, very close approximation. Like this is, you know, this is on the geese song, you know? And, um, and uh, there's also a part where he's, uh, he's talking, he's talking about the people that are running from him. And he says, you know, and Cherokee is very tonal. Mm-hmm. It's extremely tonal. If you change tones, you can have a completely different meaning. It's similar to Japanese in that way. So, um, you know, and I'll ask dad, you know, I remember asking dad, what does that mean? And he was hitting those words, you know, very, um, 
you know, a lot. And that says he's saying they're out there. He's looking for them. He's saying they're out there somewhere. And so, um, to me, that that's like one of a that's a fun role for me to watch because I I like really hearing him pronounce and enunciate. It, and you can because you can hear of uh, you know his in his English. You know everything is said with conviction, and confidence. He has that, and uh, but it's as just as equal as when he's speaking Cherokee. You know, and it's it's fun to me listening to uh, listening to the language and listening to. Um, the musicality, the musicality of, of, of the language. So, um, yeah, as like actor, as a person who studies acting, like, uh, he's a, he's a fascinating study. And actually, if I was going to talk about like one of my least favorite roles of his, and it's not, it's not him. He's awesome. But one of my least favorite roles he, he's in, he doesn't talk very much. <laughs> and maybe that's the problem with this movie. Maybe that's the problem with hostiles. There, I said, it. yeah, is that he doesn't talk as much in the movie, but he is this chief character, you know, and he plays him, you know, he plays him like a powerhouse, like he does. But what I didn't like was I felt like the movie used his performance to make a metaphor of death. Basically, I, that's how I saw his character, his character and his family, his way of life. They symbolize death. That's what this movie's about. And every character got like a three to five minute monologue. Every non-native character, every white character got like a three to five minute monologue of being able to stare into that camera and tell us, the audience, very intimately what they thought about death. And Wes didn't get to do that, no. But I will say he did go out literally in a blaze of glory. So that was something. But anyway, no, that wasn't Wes's fault. I just felt like, I just felt like, oh, hmm. Um, beautiful performance by Wes, um, but that's one of my least favorite movies of his, just mainly because I felt like they didn't, they didn't, didn't use him right. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting observation about like how everybody gets a monologue, and it's that is like uh, robbed of all of those actors, all those indigenous actors in that film. That's it is unfortunate, but also on the other side, I don't know if this is an argument for the film necessarily, but that's that casting of him is an example of like how important he is. The fact that he is like becomes representative of indigeneity, I guess. Probably like bad that it's all just like wrapped up in kind of like that one family. Uh, but just I think it just speaks to the strength of his legacy as an actor. The fact that they cast him has to be Wes. Um, and he is strong in it despite the fact that the dialogue is so minimal it's mm -hmm. really reliant on his ability to be present because of all the things that he's doing that's non-vocal mm -hmm. and he is like you just mentioned like his vocality is very musical and uh, like that has a really clear revelation of his control over tone and that makes sense what you're talking about in terms of language and I feel like that's present in all of his roles. Just like he's very clear about tone and that comes across regardless of the language that he has to speak, whether it's English or any other indigenous language. Um, and then also just like as a performer, I feel like being able to control tone really, I think, is what makes him so strong whenever we see him or whenever he enters a room or whenever there's just a reaction shot and there's almost no dialogue and it's all about what he's doing to breathe, to physically, rhythmically move through the beats in a scene. Um, I feel like not, not all actors uh, pay attention to those particular elements. And maybe it's because indigenous actors are always put in a position where they're not able to vocalize all the time and we have to make it up in these other areas. But like, this is where I think a lot of the strength is and, you know, like, so minimal moments and heat, but he, like, I notice him. Or, or like, when he walks in, in um, Deep Rising, his entrance, he's, like, obscured by things in the foreground and by, like, the non-Indigenous actors, but, like, he is so prominent when he enters, you, you realize that this character is somebody you have to reckon with, and it's important as an antagonist 
but it's it's just like all based on the control of like his rhythm of movement into the scene, his demeanor, his vocal tone, the way he's responding, and it's just so commanding. And uh, it seems like that's happening in almost all of his work, where he is uh, backgrounded or non-vocalized. And then when he does vocalize, it's like those things are added on to like these other <laughs> amazing things that he's doing. Um, Which is really interesting because he's not a big guy. He's right. very physically. He, physically, he's not a big guy. You know, when he showed up on set for that PSA, we were all just kind of like, "Oh, we thought you'd be taller." <laughs> <laughs> he seems tall as Magua. I love all the camera shots of him. Yeah, they're like down low, you know, so he can stand up super tall. And I'm just like, "Wow, he just looks so tall." He's yeah. not. Yeah, he's no, not. I, I took a picture with him uh, at a Native Crossroads when they showed Ronnie Bodine, and he's maybe an inch or two sh- taller than I am, and I'm like 5'3". Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, we were all very surprised. but And when he came in to set, he was just very, I mean, minimized. I, I don't know how else, to, how else to put it, but he just, he, like we were t- telling his son, you know, he just kind of, snuck into set and you know we just everybody was staying around waiting for him and he all of a sudden we turned around and we were like oh 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 crap he's here okay <laughs> you know, i mean it was just i you know because i've worked on sets where you know oh the star you know at, talent is here and you know everybody has to scatter and get out of their way and you know you just turned around and he was like oh hey how you doing hey let's, let's get started you know it's just really very chill just kind of like, okay, here I am. I'm going to, let's do this type type mentality. Maybe that's why he was wearing a top hat the last time I saw him before the interview. Mm. He was wearing a top hat in Santa Fe and the art market. And I caught a picture of him and dad and um, they were standing together. It was kind of rainy. He had an umbrella. He had this really smart, like long kind of black coat. He actually looked very Victorian-esque. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite characters, of course. Captain A and Penny Dreadful, but he was wearing a, this beautiful top hat with, uh, it looked like maybe a circlet of shells, like a shell belt around this beautiful top hat. No, I'll have to dig it out sometime. But yeah, that was a, that was a fun shot. I was just like, hey, dad, there's Wes. And he was kind of near that, uh, at Santa Fe Indian Art Market, there was a, there was a vendor, a wonderful artist vendor and uh, her name escapes me. I swear we'll put it in the credits later. Uh, she she makes the the beaded medallions with the spicy pickles and reservation dogs, and she was oh, showing yeah, yeah. her pieces, and she was selling stickers of the piece. And I swear he was like very near that that vendor's booth, so he may have come by to say, you know, to see the uh, the, the artist vendor who had worked on that prop, and. Uh, yeah, it was quite fantastic to be like, hey, oh my gosh. Because do they know each other from way back? Yeah, yeah. He and dad recognize each other. They did um, during his AIM days and during um, during some of dad's early theater work, he worked with the Trail of Tears drama. And I want to say West did too. I think that's where he got his star, you know, doing summer stock here in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Uh, the Trail of Tears drama. And we saw like- that when I was a kid. We went and saw that. Yeah, yeah, it was a pageant, you know, all the dancing and the, and uh, I don't know if there was singing, but I know there were orchestral compositions that went along with it, and it was described as a as a pageant in its mm-hmm. early days. So during that time, during the seventies, um, well, Dad talks about how um, we kind of knew him, how um, how everybody kind of knew he was an aimster. Yeah, my my dad's mom, uh, my grandmother, my 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 Elise, my Elise, she you know she she didn't want my dad to really get involved uh, in in it. You know, and dad was still he was just a kid in college, and he just lost his dad, my grandpa. So um, you know, just confusing confusing times. But anyway, um, dad and Wes did know each other, and they recognized each other. I do know, like during dad's uh, term as chief. Um, he says he remembers seeing West Studio in the back of a crowd, like uh, for our annual State of the Nation, and that he called him up to the speaker stand. He put a blanket on him. So there are pictures. I have pictures of like my dad putting like, like a blanket, a Pendleton blanket around uh, West Studio's shoulders. And you know, and when they meet, 
one of dad's favorite sayings is, uh, what is it? How does it go? He, he likes to go up to Cherokee speakers and just kind of surprise them and say some, he says in Cherokee, he'll say to them, so there's still some Cherokee speakers around here, you know, and, and usually the, the, there's usually a witty reply, you know, usually like, yep, still going or something like that. So, uh, yeah, the, he and dad, uh, he seems to recognize dad whenever, whenever they meet up. It is cool. I know. He, I know he doesn't recognize me, but that's fine. You know, he doesn't have to recognize me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Candace has mentioned her least favorite. Do other people have least favorite moments or performances. <laughs> I was like, no. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will there, say there is this one. No, no uh, I was gonna. I was just gonna say that I, I'm not a fan of the Avatar series of saga, whatever you want to call it. He was great in it. <laughs> So I can't really say he's. It's a. I don't have a favorite or a least favorite performance, but he, his character was fine. I mean, his performance was great for the character that he was given. But I'm just not a fan of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's all of his performances are great. I mean, he does a lot with what he's given. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that is absolutely. Yeah, and I thought true. I did find it interesting. This interview that I watched, he was talking about learning the Navi language Mm -hmm. and how he was able to bring his bilingual assets into creating this language and making the noises that are different from English to make it more believable. And I mean, yeah, hundred percent. It's not until you learn another language that you realize that we don't use a lot of the muscles in our necks and faces when we talk. The English language is very much in the front mm-hmm. of the mouth. Right. And so it's not, I mean, I took French and so it was all guttural, which has helped a lot with um, learning Inupiac. Mm-hmm. But Inupiac also has a lot of sounds, not the uh, 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 sound. And then, you know, listening to you speak Cherokee, and with all the the nasalness hmm. and all of these tones, and yeah, it's true in our language that if if you make one wrong sound, you completely change the meaning of the word. And so I think I really appreciated you asking him that question about by about using his ability to speak more than one language in creating a character. I thought that was a great question, and I really loved his answer to that. Me too. I'm very excited. I guess there's no bad performances. <laughs> just yes. tough, yes. tough material. <laughs> there we go. There's no bad performances. It's just movies that we thought like, well, this would have been better with probably more or less. Yeah. <laughs> right. That always seems to be the case. Always. There's this film called The Condemned Two, and he's like eliminated within like the first scene. It's just like basically like mm. a. It's like a guy controlling this underground fighting ring and it's just like wow the environment (laughs) where you set up the protagonist to like get away or whatever it's like you know an action film uh but he's like commanding in that like normal but eliminated so quickly and i'm sure he was cast because of how like commanding he is you know it's Mm -hmm. like clearly a threat even despite the minimal time he's on screen I would say that if, if if I had a least favorite performance, it's probably in this film called Battle Dogs. It's like this werewolf virus film where like the, it's like, you know, it's like contagion, except it's a werewolf virus and it has oh. to be controlled. And he's the head of like the military operation to basically bomb these areas <laughs> of the city of New York that have been overrun by people becoming werewolves just like <laughs> rabid rabid werewolves and it's like super cheap you know and it's like clearly they didn't have enough time to try and shoot the things that they're after um and i think because it's like probably minimal budget too few shooting days that he just didn't get like to the level that he could have if they just gave him the right things to do i think sometimes it seems like the director didn't tell him the right thing to do and he's like in the middle of the shot figuring out oh i kind of don't know what i have to do here <laughs> so i'll just make <laughs> and again it's not really his fault it's it seems like it's like the circumstances um, and they probably had like one take or something 
Blame the director or the Blame script the director <laughs> or the AD team. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but that, I mean, from experience, you can. <laughs> yeah, right. right. But uh, that I guess is maybe more Wes time. Like giving mm-hmm. him more time would have probably improved that because like he's doing great in these other films. Yeah, and, and yeah. again with the werewolves, with uh, what's up with that? Yeah, werewolves. Yeah. you know that yeah. whole native spirituality thing that people <laughs> think we're your shapeshifters. <laughs> well, but we're always werewolves, so I don't know. I know. I know. We can't be butterflies. We have to be werewolves. <laughs> <Butterflies>. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking of something pretty. So yeah, <laughs> I'd rather be a butterfly. <laughs> Is there anything that we feel like he? has yet to be cast in that we'd love to see him in? Like we asked him that question, what would he like to be in? But what would we like to see him in? I can totally see him in like the father of the bride type oh, situation. I would fun. love to see that. Wouldn't that oh be adorable? God. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Oh my gosh, could Gary Farmer play like his frog? Because <laughs> I would, I, I, I want to see this now. Or, or, or the father of the groom. Or the father you know? of the groom. Yeah, <laughs> they're like competing against each other. Oh, that would be so much fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Native grumpy yeah. old men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That'd be great. Yes. Yes. Honestly, that would that. be hilarious. Mm-hmm. If you had like Jeremy Farmer and West Duty. In yeah. those roles, that would be hilarious. Because we've already seen it on a reservation dog, so. And yeah, we just need a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see him be like the bewildered, but kind of grumpy, but loving father. That would be so yeah. much fun. Mm-hmm. Who kept, keeps getting a higher and higher bill for the wedding. Yes. And he has to go take it out on these hot dog buns. <laughs> oh, I just thought of something. Um, just because I like the futurism idea and everything, I'd like maybe like a starship captain of some sort, you know, something space-like yes. or admiral or, you know, he's, he's, you know, yelling at people for shooting down a ship they weren't supposed to or something, you know? <laughs> Right. be commanding yeah. we show that commanding yeah. presence again but in a futuristic sense of, of a character yeah. yeah yeah i could see him as like a captain on like battlestar galactica yeah yeah star oh, wars yeah. definitely yeah. i'd love to see him totally bring him in for the mandalorian <gasps> who do we call who do we call to make that happen oh my gosh <laughs> that would be amazing that would be amazing <laughs> So great! Somebody, somebody text somebody. Yeah, I could see him as like a uh, a bounty hunter or something on that show. Like, or, yeah, or even Boba Fett. He could be like an old oh, friend yes. of Boba Fett's. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Teams up to save the child. Yeah, that would be fun seeing him maybe as like a Jedi. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be that would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be so much fun. West Studios. What, what color would his lightsaber be? Oh, <laughs> turquoise. My favorite color. Turquoise. Turquoise. <laughs> yeah, turquoise. <laughs> turquoise. Feathers hanging off it. Hey. <laughs> oh wow, that'd be pretty amazing. He is yeah. really good with prop work. <clears throat> this is something that I think like distinguishes him from his contemporaries. Like every time I see him work with props, you know, like uh, in I'll, in another episode, I talk about really what my favorite performance of it is of his is, and it, it's really reliant on him dealing with his cup. But I was like rewatching Geronimo, and you know, I mean, there's so many problems I have with Geronimo, but the the times where he's like doing stuff with like small objects i mean the weapon work is really important um like the timing of it and like how quickly and how accurate he it seems like he could be it's all critical for me to understand like how good geronimo is with a weapon 
But when he's like using the binoculars and when he's like looking at objects, it's just so like effortless. And there's like a lot of like just shifting through like different kind of physical beats. And um, it's just making me think of like how interesting he could be if he had a lightsaber and what he might be doing with it. Um, and uh, that's just really exciting to think about. Or if it's like Bubba Fred's friend, if he's like another Mandalorian, whatever they use like the weapons or like the the, the shielded armor. wardrobe the armor yeah mm -hmm. the best car feels like it'd be interesting to see him do something with those elements i feel like he'd be great yeah. at all that yeah i kind of want to see him in more like procedure i feel like he's such a great cop mm -hmm. and i feel like i want to see more i don't know what but you know just nice to see him like in any kind of show or movie where he's like having to handle a hostage situation or like you know hunt down the fugitive or I, I don't know what i could also see him like similarly like play like somebody in the law like even harvey dent you know i feel like he could be a good two-face oh yeah. yeah or what are like what about like a wizard <gasps> Yes. He could be yes. a wizard. Really? Yes. Wizard, yes. Yeah, like, like a Gandalf off. type wizard. Yeah. Gandalf. That's it. Like a willow wizard. We gotta make yeah. this we gotta make this happen, Candace. Guys, I've gotta make this happen. Yes, a hundred times yes. <laughs> you do realize like I wanna redo this house as a hobbit hole. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> well she's at my house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Someone give us funding. <laughs> you know, the land up, my family land up in Osage County is all woods. So, hey, they're, you know, got a wooded area for the elves. <laughs> Are y'all going to drive to Santa Fe, throw him in the trunk and drive him up there? <laughs> <laughs> you're oh, a hobbit, Harry. Uh, wait, did you say you're a hobbit, Harry? Like, yeah, like you're a, a hobbit, Harry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yes, as a wizard. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I could see him as an elf, you know. Like, Ooh, like you know, the elf king. Yeah, that could totally work too. Yeah. Yeah, ideas going through my head. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get him in the rings of power? Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Right. Yeah. Of course, this this BIA takeover in 1972. <laughs> yeah, there you that's go. right. <laughs> it would also actually be fun to maybe do like a behind the scenes kind of thing. Like, what if he just what if he played a director? Director like I don't know. He's oh trying gosh, to. We need to have a Chris guest type. Yes. Mockumentary. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like he's like mockumentary or he's yeah. like Kermit the Frog where he's like, or it's like The Office where he's like all these absurd people and personalities he has to deal with on a daily basis. And he's just trying to get the show written or the show directed <laughs> or filmed or whatever it is. That would be a lot of fun to maybe watch him in that situation. Watch his response. <laughs> Do we ever see him unruffled? Almost oh, yeah. in uh, Ronnie Bodine. Almost. almost in Reservation almost. Dogs, too. Yeah, I have to yeah. say that scene in Reservation Dogs still gets me a little teary. Oh. Which one? It's very sweet. The funeral? By, by the river. Oh, the one by the river? Yeah, oh. yeah the river. Yeah, yeah. where they're yeah. singing. Yeah, yeah that Iconic. was a good scene. That was... came out of nowhere, hit me, and I was like, oh, what? Oh, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I think I like him when he's funny. frazzled when he gets pulled over and he slides over to the passenger seat and says the driver ran <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's like really relying on it, like the timing and like the physicality of his blocking. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Is he a traditional dancer? Does anybody know? Has he I don't think so. No? Well, if he dances, it's it's not here. Yeah. Could he dance? Probably. I, you know, just talking about the physicality, it makes you think. Yeah, yeah. It had to be some kind of, I, you know, I guess being a veteran would probably oh, yeah, you give you that awareness of where your body is. Yeah. 
gosh, I kind of wish I'd asked him about about his stunt work. Yeah, that that's that that's a very fascinating subject for me. Is um, coordinating the concept or the coordinating the illusion of violence on screen and on stage. You know, yeah. And, a, that's something that's really happening in all this uh, leather and feather. It's so impressive in Geronimo. There's like inclines and he's got to like ride very quickly on a horse, deliver dialogue in a different language that's not his own, uh, bring up a weapon. And then it's also like got blocking, like the horse has to turn, you know, um, like Mm -hmm. uh, such coordination. And then, of course, in the background, you know, it's like a couple layers of like other background artists on their own horses mm-hmm. and uh if any of that doesn't work you know so it's like the pressure's on for him to get all of those things right and mm-hmm. it's just really incredible work in that mohicans keep rising it's like that the flash the flash <laughs> that's the roller <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he was thrown against the walls. So. <laughs> Still able to talk. By the flash. And, By the flash. and avoid eye contact. <laughs> so, any last words? Any last thoughts for uh, maybe uh, listeners who haven't experienced West Studio enough? Um, or any last things to think about? I mean, I would say out. definitely get past the mother and feather stuff and look at his other work. Yeah, even, suggestions that we didn't mention. Well, even past the the action stuff, you know. I haven't seen, what was it, Love Story? Mm-hmm. A love Story, right. A, a, a love song. A, a, love, a song? love song. Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a love song, but he, he seemed really enthusiastic about that. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not in it for very long, he was like, yeah, this was a, a new situation for him. And so now I that makes me want to see it just because he was so enthusiastic about it. I de- definitely think people should, you know, um, look at his comedic performances, look for those small, not small, but I guess roles that are different that you would never expect him to be in, like, you know, Street Fighter and Mystery Men and, and just kind of see to see his versatility and see, you know, that he can be something other than, you know, Native American character, so. Yeah, um, just, I, I guess I just want to echo what everybody else said, and that's like, there are definitely the leather and feather roles, um, and he does so much with what he's given, even whenever it's very little. I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of his comedy work, um, his physical work, and it's, um, I'm definitely excited to see what other horizons he has in store for himself because he seems like a person who he likes to keep doing the new, doing things mm-hmm. that he has not done before. And um, I'm excited to see where does he see himself? Like what what other roles does does he want for himself? You know, um, now that he's, uh, he's like this honored elder, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but he's still, he's still going strong and we still, you know, after all, uh, you know, you know, being in film for a long time, we still are excited to watch him. So I'm excited to see what else he's got in store. And I also have not seen Love Song, a Love Song, and I'm definitely going to give it a watch. Yeah, I'm going to echo everybody's statement as well. Um, I, I will say that people should definitely check out his own um, Leap Horn version and like the Skinwalkers. Uh, television movie. I also think he's really good in Edge of America, which is another Chris Eyre film. It's like the basketball movie um, that takes place on the Navajo reservation. It's got a really good cast, good female cast. But he's like a a fellow teacher to this protagonist who comes to the reservation for the first time, is introduced to the tribe and introduced to like native politics. And he's sort of like the guy that helps guide him. <clears throat> but he's like constantly throughout that particular film and I feel he's got a lot of things he can do as like a contemporary character that's not like cast as a as a trope maybe uh, whether it's like procedure or leather and feather or, you know, like not action Edge of America 2003 
and his book. Oh, and his upcoming book. Do you know the title? It's, um, isn't it, isn't it Vine Delorius? Oh, right. Oh, his audio book. Okay. The audio yeah, his book. audio book. Right, yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, I thought it meant, like, he wrote something red. he wrote. Yeah. 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 Definitely check out his, like, audio work. Yeah. yeah. Vine Deloria. God is Red, I think. Yeah. It's, like, a couple of them, though. I think God is Red is the newest one. He posted about it on Facebook on December 21st. So it's on Audible. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of Real Indigenous Podcast. Don't forget, you can find us on your socials, uh, Real Indigenous on Facebook, at Real Indigenous on Twitter, and Real Indigenous Pod on Instagram. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Candace. Thank you, Sunrise. And we, and don't forget, don't just keep it real, keep it Keep it real, indigenous. indigenous. Never gonna get that. Never gonna get it. We're gonna. We have to harmonize next time, y'all. That's what he said. That's what he said. He told uh, us to yeah, harmonize. It's it. true. He did, and he. Okay, we're gonna have to practice that. Yeah, I'm base. I, I did go a little tone. high. I did go a little. Are you alto? Yeah. Candice, are you soprano? Yeah, mezzo. Indigenous. Indigenous. Indigenous.